0: Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to Overcast, the Chogos Sheep Podcast. Each episode, we'll bring you less insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. Getting the feeding regime right in late pregnancy has a big impact on successful lambing and overall flock performance. We we'll discuss various aspects of this with Michael Gossin, the head of sheep in Chagask. Michael starts off by discussing the importance of using scan results, the expected lambing date for available, to determine the determined amount of supplementation required, as well as how to manage tin yields during late pregnancy. Michael also offers advice for farms out there with low feed value silage. We discussed the pros and cons of pelleted versus coarse rations, how to introduce supplementation and ultimately how to minimise the risk of acidosis, particularly in the latter stages of pregnancy where feed levels are high. We move on to discuss the type of ingredients you would like to see in a ration for late pregnancy feeding and delving into this in a bit more detail, he outlines the key energy requirements, the importance of the correct protein source and the mineral requirements for this ration. We start off, however, with Michael highlighting again the importance of using forage analysis as the base of developing the late pregnancy feeding regime.
1: Yeah, Ciarán, um look at it, I think it's, it's really important to kind of have an idea as to how good your forage is. Your forage is a big part of, of the OAS diet in mid-pregnancy and and even into late pregnancy really until we start um, cranking up the meal for the twins and the triplets um, at which stage the silage becomes less important so knowing how good the silage is really um, will let you ration properly it'll, it'll let you basically formulate a diet that makes sure that your lambs won't be too small at birth uh, they won't be too big at birth and that your ewes lamb down in good body condition and with plenty of milk and really i suppose look at it, as important as it is is knowing what your silage or hay quality is it's also important to to have your scan um and your ewes divided according to their scan but also according to body condition so like, uh, and when we're talking about scanning yews, uh, you know, really and trying to have your single separate from your twins and your triplets, but also it's important to remember that if you have thin single-bearing yews, they should be really fed with the twins. And if you have thin twin-bearing yews, they should really be in with the triplets getting a little bit of extra meal to try and build them up um, in, in, in late pregnancy. So that's important really that we, we, we have that kind of a plan. We know how good our forage is and then that we, we batch the sheep according to, um, litter size, body condition score, and if you can, um, lambing date as well, so that you have the later lambing twins in with the singles, you know, the later lambing triplets in with the twins, um, you know, and maybe the later lambing singles in with, with sheep that are getting no meal, your, your dry ewes or your your, your, your hogged oats that aren't in lamb.
0: So, we'll look at the consequences of that, he's that you're not going to get, you're going to have sufficient sized lambs, but you're not going to have oversized ones either in that batch. That's the important thing, I suppose, and
1: it also saves money in terms of you're not feeding meal that you don't need to be feeding. Um, you know, and very often we see a yo there that lambs maybe five weeks after, five weeks after the start of lambing. You know, if she gets if she starts getting meal the same day as the first batch of yours that are, are, are lambing five weeks earlier, she'll have eaten five weeks of extra meal um, by the time she, she lambs, and that often results in a yo that's overfat, a lamb that's very, very big. Um, you know, maybe with lambing difficulty, um, you know, and also a lot of money spent on her in terms of meal um, that, you know, she didn't really need as such.
0: And it also probably coincides with time where maybe the attention to detail at Laman is, within the five weeks is not just the same for one that might need assistance. So certainly, look, it's not yes. ideal, but put you back on an earlier point there, Michael, like we're at a time now where a lot of flocks will need to start supplementing, particularly maybe triplets or any quads in the flock. But also for flocks, maybe they haven't got good quality silage or her yields are a little bit behind the target condition going into the ram. They haven't pulled up at this stage. They need to get in early with feed in them scenarios, as opposed to trying to cram in a lot in the last four, five, six weeks. Maybe you'll just take us through that a bit.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's very important we say that we don't lose a lot of body condition because it's very hard to put body condition back on the O's in late pregnancy. So going in in time is really, really important. So if you have have silage that is kind of 60, 65 DMD, you know, that's pretty ropey stuff. Um, you know, yours are probably going to start losing body condition on that as they start approaching, you know, kind of eight weeks out from lambing triplets, probably even a little bit before it. Um, and and going in with a small bit of meal to those at that stage will keep them up, um, you know, and it'll, it'll prevent that body condition loss. And it's not that you're feeding an awful lot uh, more meal. You're just feeding the meal over a, a, a longer period of time. Um, spreading it out rather than cramming in meal in the last five or six weeks trying to make up for yours that are thin um you know and at that stage no matter how much you feed the ewes it's very hard to put body condition on ewes in late pregnancy that tend to apportion an awful lot of the feed that you give them to the lambs. so you know feeding thin ewes a lot of meal in late pregnancy in the last four or five or six weeks because you haven't started on time results in big lambs and thin ewes and that's what we're trying to avoid we don't want really really big lambs and we certainly don't want thin ewes at lambing time because you know we there is work done um there that shows that you know those that lose a lot of body condition uh, have a higher risk of of losing their lambs of lamb mortality um because they're not able to cope with with feeding the lambs um when conditions get tough later on uh, they don't have the body condition to fall back on so you know i suppose the message really here is is kieran is find out how good your silage is um go in in time if you've poor quality so you start feeding a little bit earlier um you know for for a lot of people, feeding triplets ha- should really be happening shortly after you scan them. Um and then it's basically down to looking at the type of ration that you're feeding them, the quality of it, like and the ingredients.
0: And that's something look we'll tease out a bit more in a moment. But like you, you mentioned something very irrelevant, Michael. Like in them scenarios, I know we always try to keep costs down on firms, but it's a good investment to go in with a small amount. We're only talking maybe three hundred grams or so, four hundred grams a day in an early stage. It's not huge quantities. It's really the last couple of weeks where huge quantities when you start feeding up to about a kilo
1: yeah so if you're i mean if you go in two weeks earlier um and you start feeding at 200 grams a day or 300 grams a day um you know you're feeding somewhere in between one and a half and two kilos of concentrates per year so we're, we're talking about probably somewhere around 40 to 60 cent um maybe 65 cent depending on the cost of the of the concentrate per year it's a small relatively small cost that's per week um that, you, that you're putting in there um so like it's not it's not a uh, that you're spending a lot of money what you're doing is you're investing in 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 the body condition of the and and the success of, of your enterprise going forward you know it's, it's taking that decision early like and, and 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 making making the decision going in with a bit of feed
0: and look it might be fraud, for all folks certain look we always talk about managing condition is important look just a generic one michael it always crops up it's a stage where a lot of purchases and rations. Looking at a note or a pelleted ration versus blends, um, maybe just take us through maybe briefly the pros and cons of each option.
1: Yep. So, um, for you know, for most people, uh, it's it's if you're buying it from a miller, you're either buying a note, um, or, or you're buying it in in course in course form. Um, And look, at again, always we would recommend that when you're buying a ration um, from a miller that you you get it with a mineral added, um, you know, and a bit of molasses in there to to hold the mineral is very, very important, um, that it's a properly balanced ration. Um, Now, I suppose the pros and cons of it um, from a a purely nutritional point of view, uh, I suppose the coarse ration is probably preferential. Insofar as that we can include a lot of whole grain in the in the diet of yours in particular if you're feeding high levels. So somebody who has poor quality silage or a very high level of, of triplet and quad bearing yos, where you might be feeding one or 1.2 kilograms of concentrates per head per day in late pregnancy, in the last two or three weeks, um, having a coarse uh, ration with with you know, some or all of the of the grain going in there in whole format is beneficial from a from a um an acidosis and a rumen um point of view um because it's much more slower slowly digested it causes less stomach upsets you know um I suppose that's the positive side on the on the coarse ration. Um the downside I suppose on the coarse ration is that um it, it separates out in storage and in, in, in transport, so it, it's, uh, you know, it needs to be very well mixed, in particular if there's a mineral there that, that doesn't settle out. Um, it also allows the sheep to sort ingredients if there is unpalatable ingredients in it, um, they can sort those out. And, and, and refuse them, leave them in the trucks. That's not so much a problem with yours, uh, tends to be more of a problem with store lambs that are being fed ad lib, or, or young lambs that are in creep feeders that are being fed ad lib, they leave a particular ingredient after them and eventually the truck will fill up and they'll end up chucking it out on the ground. So that's wasteful. And the third, and I suppose one of the very common complaints or um, uh, comments that we get from farmers regarding coarse rations is the, the birds. Uh, coarse ration uh, seems to attract an awful lot more birds, crows and, 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 and pigeons into the shade, uh, sifting through the silage, looking for the bits that the sheep haven't picked up, as opposed to cubed rations or nuts, where the sheep basically eat virtually everything and there's very little left for the crows to come into the shade for um so i suppose that's the 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 real benefit nut versus course the nut of course is you know each nut is is uniform it's mixed and pelleted and the mineral is and all the ingredients are bound inside the nut um it's very easy to transport it doesn't settle out in transport um it's easier to feed i suppose um uh, it's more dense like so you fit more of it into a bucket. Um, If you're feeding in in, in buckets or drums, um, you know, the sheep, it's easier for them to pick it up and they can't sort out the ingredients. They can't sort out and and you have less problems with crows. Um, So I I suppose the the downside of the nut is that all the ingredients are very finely ground in a nut. Um, They're milled and very finely ground and then put through the dye, which presses them into the nut form. Um, And that means when they go into the sheep's stomach, uh, um, they dissolve and all those very, very finely uh, ground ingredients are are available and broken down for the bacteria to start digesting. And you you tend to um, get a much more rapid uh, reduction in rumen pH if you're feeding nuts uh, than if you're feeding coarse rations. Um, So a a little bit more care needs to be taken in feeding it to avoid um, acidosis or digestive upsets in the oas
0: right Especially when just, we're feeding high levels. Just speaking of that, I know we've alluded to aspects of it before, but like the risk of acidosis or subclinical acidosis has a knock-on performance of the health well being of an animal and, and in very bad case it could be fatal. But Michael, trying to avoid acidosis in sheep and the amount that we go in and feed each time, like the guidelines are probably there for a reason, but you might just take a through the implications of getting it wrong.
1: Yeah. So the the implications of getting it wrong are are pretty stark. Um, usually, when we get it wrong, it's in late late pregnancy, in the last two or three weeks, when we're feeding very high levels. Um, that's the stage where your os are are very dependent on the concentrate. And, you know, something like a, a subacute acidosis or a, a bout of acidosis can trigger things like twin lamb disease or milk fever, you always go down, need intervention, you know, you may lose some of them, um, you know, and, and that's what we really want to avoid. Um, so really it's easy to avoid um, acidosis in sheep and, and it just takes a few simple management steps um, that we need to, to, to mind. The first one is, that we introduce the feed gradually, and you know, so you start, you know, five six weeks out, and you build them up slowly, um, going up kind of point two of a kilogram um, per week uh, max if you're if you're increasing in 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 point um, two increments 0.2 kilograms per day increments um so for the first week we feed 200 grams a day every day for the seven days then we go to 400 grams a day the second and very very important point which a lot of farmers aren't uh, doing um is you need to split the feed once you get to 500 grams a day into two equal feeds. And very often we see people who are feeding 700 or 800 grams a day in a single feed. And while they may be getting away with it for a period of time, you know, eventually it catches up most people and they get a, a belt of Subacute acidosis or acidosis, and it, it it has a big impact on performance. So once you uh, start feeding your yawes over half a kilogram per head per day, you need to switch to twice daily feeding, morning and evening, at least eight hours between feeds. And that's basically just to allow the, the room and pH to come back up and start digesting fiber fibre to be digested before you go in with the next um uh, belt of of meal that's going to give them starch uh, and, and and drop the the rumen ph again and very important here as well is throck space if the o's haven't got trox space the, the 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 stronger greedier bullier type o's will end up eating an awful lot more um and the weaker uh, timid yoes will be will be bullied out of the trucks and and they'll instead of getting six or 700 grams a day they'll end up getting 200 grams a day and the yo know, that's supposed to be getting six or 700 grams a day and is a bully might end up getting 1.2 kilos and she's the one that might end up with acidosis and also to watch their very much is the yoes that are lame so lameness in late pregnancy is something that we really need to to combat um go in there with the you know usually it's Either foot rot or C O D D. Hopefully not C O D D, but in most cases it's probably foot rot. Um, Go in with an antibiotic based on your your veterinary diagnosis and 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 prescription, and and treat that um, so that the sheep are able to get um, to the truck and and hold their ground at the truck and get their fair share. Um, so they're the they're really the important things. Um, Kieran, introduce it uh, gradually and increase it gradually over time. Um, Adequate truck space. So, at least for for most people, that's 500 um, to 600 millimeters um, per yo of truck space. Um, that's that's more space now than the yos will take up um, along your, your your truck. Feeding twice per day, at least eight hours apart every day. Um, at once you go over 500 grams a day. And lastly, Kieran, The one is not to change the 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 ration or the concentrate. Uh, you're feeding in the last kind of three or four weeks when you're up at that high level don't switch and even when you're getting a new batch in from the miller mix some of the old batch the remaining old batch with the new batch just in case that there's an ingredient change there to avoid you know a change in in ingredients and and a dietary upset uh, uh, arising from that
0: look you raised point again that we've mentioned before some of them riskier animals the lame ones that ideally if in an ideal world we'd have a separate scenario or a separate pen to hold them in just something else make like another practical aspect of that feed level that's going in and you mentioned you actually covered this slightly but the difference in density in some of the rations they were way different knowing the number in the pen actually having a weight of what the bucket or drum or bag whatever it is you're dispensing with is and adjusting that especially as we move through pregnancy where you might be maybe and the numbers are dropping off in the pens it's another potential glitch in that feeding plan,
1: yeah, yeah, it's very important that we know um, what's in what, what's in the container, and it's actually amazing how many people do you know will feed with a container, and you know they're they're not sure exactly how much it is. Um, so I would find you know if you look at the, the the kind of the density of 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 a nut is is probably somewhere around eight hundred and fifty. 900 grams per liter um, and the density of course ration is probably somewhere around 700 grams per liter volume um, so it's very simple to do this you 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 have a drum or a bucket of various different sizes um, you fill it three or four times and weigh it with a, a stiller scale or put the full bucket up on the, the your lamb weighing scales and um, do it a number of times and 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 estimate you know, you'll get a, a good average as to what's inside in it you know, is it is it six kilos? Is it eight kilos? Is it 10, 12, 12 kilos, depending on the size of the bucket or the drum? And and then, you will know, that, you know, half a bucket is half that amount. And and really having a plan as to saying, OK, I'm six weeks out from lambing. I'm going to start at 200 grams a day or 300 grams a day and I'm going to go to 500 grams a day. Uh, you know, in two weeks' time, and then I'm going to 700 grams a day um, for the last two weeks, um, and then working out how many buckets you need for the number of sheep in the pen. And as as sheep are lambing and you're pulling sheep, yours and lambs out of the pen, that you adjust your your your, your the amount you're putting into the bucket accordingly. Um, mm. You know, and that's that's just
0: that very it much, might it, um, it might seem overly simplistic, but in reality, that's that's how it's put into action. Like. Look, we mentioned density. Let's let's get to the nuts and bolts. List. your ration quality, and it is important. This stage, of year we use a quality ration. If we look at first, maybe we, Michael, the energy density in rations. Like, what are we looking for? Like in a bag when we pick it up, and if we look at the label on it or the spec we get from the supplier, where are we looking for the high energy ingredients in that?
1: Yeah. So okay, I I, I suppose we we gener- We don't get an energy density. On the the, 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 the label, um, or it's not required anyway uh, for the miller to put that on. Really, what's required for the, the miller is to put on the ingredients in either descending or alphabetical order. Um, we he also the miller needs to 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 give us crude protein, crude fiber, crude oil, various other things like that, ash, um, mineral content, um, and look at energy won't be on, won't be on that. So, in order to estimate uh, how good. Our bad a ration is um, from an energy point of view, we need to look at the ingredients and the ingredients will give us a good handle as to whether this is a highly energy dense ration or whether it's 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 more of a, a filler type uh has a lot of filler type ingredients in there. So generally look at what we do is we divide the ingredients that are in rations into three kind of categories. So we use a traffic light system. Lots of people will have seen it on Chagas publications in the past where we have green, orange or amber and red. And, um, you know, green are the really high energy dense ones. Uh, the the orange or amber ones are the, the the middle of the road, and then the red ones are the lower low end low energy, and it's 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 purely on an energy density um, basis that we're we're doing that. So we're saying you know that your cereals and your pulps, things like distillers and soybean meal. Uh, they're very high in energy. They're in the, in the green category. They're your you know, most dense. And look, at there's variations between them. If you look, oats is, is probably much lower in energy than, say, wheat or maize. Um, but as a general rule, we can say, look at cereals, um, distillers, soybean meal, um, you know, your pulps, your, your citrus pulp and your beet pulp, you know, high in energy high in energy so middle of the road then in the amber category we have have our things like like soy hulls a little bit lower in energy than the other one so that's why it's in there it's quite a good feed but just that little bit lower in energy um uh, gluten is in there and rapeseed would be in there as well so they're just about 10 12 percent lower in energy than what's kind of in the in, in the green category and then in the red category these are the kind of the lower um you know, a lot of them very high in fiber, but low in energy type ingredients So in that we've got our things like wheat feed, pollard, um, uh, uh, sunflower, uh, palm kernel, various different ones like that, oat feed. You know, so these are things that are, are, are in rations and we regularly see them in rations, but they're just lo- that good bit lower in energy and we just need to be conscious of that. So when you're looking at your at the at the ration there's two things you need to look at is one the ingredients that are in it so what we call that the quality of the ration and the second one is the price and it's you need to bear the two of them in mind because we could have a a lower spec ration but it's 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 very very good value um, so we just feed a little bit more of it to get the same amount of energy into the oils. Um, as opposed to having a real Rolls-Royce ration with all super-duper ingredients in it. Um, but it's a very, very expensive ration. Um, so despite the fact that you're feeding less of it, it's costing an awful lot more per year to feed that very expensive ration uh, or high-spec ration. Um, so people need to be conscious of that, that, okay, you can buy a ration that is 10% lower in energy um, which means to get the same amount of energy into the sheep you need to feed ten percent more um, but it might be twenty percent cheaper so you're still better off to buy the lower spec ration um, because it's a it's a it's a, a specification by price interaction that you need to look at but generally what we would be saying is try to go for something that has quite a few um, High quality ingredients from a density point of view, energy density point of view, some middle of the road ones and maybe one or two low quality ones. Fine. A lot of millers put them in there because they, 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 they um, increase the fibre level, which is also very important. Um, and also, you know, some millers have said to me that putting wheat feed in just helps it go through the mill. It's it's, it's almost like a lubricant um, going through, through the mill you know, no problem with that as long as there's an awful lot of it in the ration, you know, so that's where the, the amount that's in the ration comes into play. And you'll see that um, in the descending order of inclusion. So most millers will give the ingredients in descending order of inclusion. So the one that's first in the list is the highest ingredient in terms of its inclusion level, and the one that's furthest down is the lowest. Now generally this is the minerals and those kind of additives that you see at the bottom, and the first five or six
0: ingredients are probably what makes up most of the ration. That's important from an energy point of view that we look at that. We may come to the minerals in a minute, like what I and that I see some of them are starting to include the energy content in the rations. It, look, you mentioned energy, we mentioned we bit on fiber. The real other important particularly in the latter stage of pregnancy, the protein content and the spec of that protein, Michael, like how important are the ingredients from a protein point of view? Or maybe are they more important?
1: Yeah, and I suppose that goes back to my 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 list again. And if we look at the ones that are high up on the energy side of things, they generally tend to be the kind of better quality ones. If you look at the Rolls-Royce ingredient that we have from a protein point of view, is soybean meal. And that's a really good quality um, protein. And it's, it's also a significant amount of that protein is what we call rumen bypass protein. It's protein that isn't digested by the bugs in the rumen. It passes through the rumen undigested, and is digested by the sheep herself in her intestine, in the same way as, as monogastrics like ourselves would digest protein. And that has benefits from a colostrum um, and milk yield point of view, uh, production point of view. So what we would say is, is, is look at the the. You can buy a pro uh, a very high protein ration, but with very poor quality proteins in it, and you know, it, it mightn't be as good as buying a lower protein ration um, with, with high quality protein ingredients.
0: Michael, some were opt to go maybe for two different rations, maybe only change it up again, very close to lamb. And I know you highlighted some of the risks with that, but given the amount being fed, is that a sensible approach in that earlier stage of pregnancy? Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. look, at, I think, um, you know, er- early on, I suppose, when we were starting to feed meal, uh, the amount of, of, of protein you know, most rations are going to be 16, 18, 19% um, protein. And, and I suppose when you're six, eight weeks out from from lambing, the, the, the protein that's there will, will be fine. Um, the, 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 the issue, I suppose, is as we come closer to to lambing, we need a lot more protein. So our requirement goes from kind of maybe 110 grams of protein per head per day uh, for a ewe with twins up to kind of 240 grams per head per day. So we we have a a more than doubling requirement uh, for protein as we go through the late stages of pregnancy. And the other thing I suppose here is that at that stage, especially in late pregnancy, the last two weeks before lambing the quality of the protein becomes very important. Um, So we'll have loads of protein that will be available in the rumen to the bugs and they'll break that down. And basically what happens is the sheep ends up digesting the, the, the the microbacteria um, protein as a, to the protein that you're feeding the sheep what we want at that stage really is a protein that's going to bypass that that the bugs can't break down and that the sheep is going to digest in her own intestine and that's really things like soya bean meal um you know gluten to some extent uh, and and distillers are probably reasonable okay um we can get things like protected rapeseed not that much available in ireland but you know protective proteins also bypass the rumen but for most people what we're talking about is soybean meal and putting in about 100 grams of soybean meal there per lamb carried uh for the last two weeks so for for your twin ewes it's 200 grams of soybean meal um if that's in the ration if you have got a a, a ration made up with 20 percent soybean and you're feeding a kilo a day that'll give you your 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 200 um grams of soybean meal if you have a a, a concentrate feed that has very little soy in it maybe only five percent or six percent which is about a lot of the commercially available rations out there will have then it's it's a case of of you know do you change rations at that late stage and i would recommend no that we don't change rations because there's a big risk there of upsetting the sheep and running into big problems with acidosis and twin lamb disease and all those kind of things afterwards um so what we would say is you know Continue on with the existing ration, but maybe top it up with a bit of of soybean meal just to get up to that 100 grams of soybean meal per lamb carried in late pregnancy. Um, And I think that's probably the best solution. You know, people can feed the the lower quality proteins up to that point and then
0: come in with a bit of soybean meal um, in late pregnancy where it's not in the ration already. So, Michael, maybe finally, again, it's one of the last things you see on the product label is vitamins and minerals. Most, I assume, like, it's a standard cream um, mix that goes into them. Occasionally, you might see the inclusion of CalMag in it. Why is that important? And obviously, including minerals in the rationing for those home mixing is important. But the addition of CalMag, can we explain where its role comes in?
1: Yeah, look, I think uh, I just want to say on on this, one, um, Kieran, it's, it's important that we go in with, with a, uh, an appropriate vitamin-mineral mix, for, uh, you know, uh, uh, a yo vitamin and mineral mix, and that the ration is balanced. Whether that's somebody who's buying a ration um, or somebody who is, is um, home mixing and has a license to, to, to include a, a, a mineral, um, that they get an appropriate mineral. Um, and really, the mineral mix should be balanced according to the ingredients. Like, so if we've got lots of cereal in there and very little pulp, then we're going to need additional calcium going in to get your calcium phosphorus ratio right and conversely if we have very little cereals and lots of of pulp pulps in there, we need to put in extra phosphorus um to get those right. And then there's all the other micronutrients that are minerals that we need there, your vitamins E's and A's and Bs and all those. So people need to 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 have them right um in, in in the in the ration. And I think they're important and not very expensive. The other one you mentioned then was CalMAG and and CalMag is basically calcite magnesite, which is is basically a form of magnesium. Um, that is available, and that's quite important in a ration um, because it, it does two things. First of all, it, it really why it's in there is to protect you against grass tetany after lemming, um, you know, and and that's probably the main source. But it's it's also quite useful um, in in terms of of um, uh, the magnesium plays an important role in allowing or enabling the ewe to break down calcium in her body from her bones and prevent milk fever so i think it, it, it's it's a useful um mineral to have in every um pre-lamming yo ration i'd be saying there should be a bit of calcium mag in there it just um makes things better uh, at lambing time um doesn't cost an awful lot of money um and and really should be included as a matter of course right?
0: michael always good getting you on so it is thanks very much for your insights all right no bother thanks Karen. Okay, we'll finish things up at this point. Again, plenty of points to consider there from Michael. You know, Getting that feeding regime right during late pregnancy, it does set a flock up for a good lamb and it sets them up for performance the rest of the to particularly during early lactation. So it's important, we get some of the key criteria right. Getting your ration quality right, feeding it right, determining how much we need to feed. You know, managing conditions score. All these things are important and I think he covered a lot of aspects of it. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates for the sheep program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chocolate Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen in to any of our episodes.